As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the prophet Micah, Micah chapter 5. Wasn't that a phenomenal Behold the Lamb of God? Wow, I love that song. Uh, Speaking of Behold the Lamb of God, how many of you all were able to come to the Andrew Peterson concert and Behold the Lamb of God? Great concert event here. Wow, this entire place, every seat was filled. It was great uh, to be able to sing God's praises. So, uh, wow, so grateful to have that event here. Speaking of a packed house, let me remind you that our Christmas Eve services have changed a little bit. Uh, Last several years, we've been doing it at 5 and 7. I don't want to say that lightly because we're no longer doing it at 5 and 7. We're going to do it at 4 and 6. Uh, we're realizing that our, our 5 o'clock fills up with young families, and uh, it seems like young families, the earlier the better. It's still going to be candlelight, uh, but come and, and celebrate uh, the gift of a newborn king, 4 and 6. And the reality of Christmas, the reality of today, the reality of every day of our lives is that we have a God who has created us in his image. Each one of you, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, Uh, You are precious in God's sight because you reflect God. I mean, you are a reminder of God of who he is because he's made you in his image. And he longs to be with his people. That's what Advent's all about. God loves his people and he wants to hang out with us. He, He wants to be with us and dwell with us. And this Advent season, we've been looking to the minor prophets of the Bible. And and let me remind you, when you hear minor prophets, it doesn't mean that they have something minor to say. What they have to say has been inspired by God. And the reason they're given the title Minor Prophets, although it's not in the Bible that way, we refer to them that way, it's just they didn't write as long. They were a little bit shorter. But what they remind us is, again, the beauty and the reality that God desires to dwell with us. So we've been looking at them. We're looking at a a series called Do You Hear What I Hear? Because we have the privilege here of of knowing that Jesus has come and and look back through the manger and look back to the cross and and look back to say and to see what was promised. What did God promise you? And what has God delivered? And oh, how glorious are the promises of God. Oh, how wonderful that God desires to to be with us and love us. And oh, what an incredible celebration is, is Advent. I think I might have told you uh, one of our Thanksgiving traditions is putting together puzzles. And so this year's puzzle is a thousand piece puzzle that we put together. It was a puzzle of the promised land and having to put that together. It was a great one. And and I don't know if you put together a puzzle of the promised land. Of course, you know what I'm talking about. The Finger Lake region of upstate New York, right? The, the, The promised land, at least what I think so. And so as you, as you, Take that puzzle and you dump it out uh, on a card table or however you're going to assemble it. What you really need to have is you need to have the picture. You need to have the picture or something to, to look back to because each individual piece, although it's a part of the picture, although it tells a part of the story, you'll never be able to make it make sense unless you could see the entire part. How does this individual piece fit in? Well, that's what we've been doing with this sermon series. How does each individual piece of the puzzle, the the stories of the minor prophet, how does it help us understand the significance of Christmas? How does it help help us understand uh, Jesus' birth? And we look at the fact that, do you hear what I hear? Do you hear their voice? Do you know what was promised? Because every book of the Bible, all 66 of them, 
All 66 of them, when they, when they are pieced together, they tell one story of the Bible, one glorious story. And every piece of the puzzle, it, it whispers Jesus' name. It, it points to the fact that, that God loves us. As a matter of fact, there's a great story in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 24. Uh, Jesus uh, uh, appears on a road walking with these two guys heading to Emmaus. Maybe you've heard of the story. And, and these, these two fellows, well, they're, they're really sad because they thought, they thought Jesus was the real deal. They, they thought that Jesus was the promised Messiah. They, they thought that he was like that missing puzzle piece that was going to make the whole story make sense. But does the Messiah die? Is, is God's promised king killed? Is the one who came to dwell with us, can it be the same one who, who hangs on a tree? It didn't make any sense to them. And the story started to, to crumble. And Jesus comes alongside of them and he does what, what only he could do. And he, and he tells them the one story of the Bible and how every piece pointed to him. He started with the beginning. He started with Moses and he went through all the prophets. And, and he, he told them that every piece of this incredible story, it points to Jesus and the Messiah who, who must be crucified for our sins, who must die and rise again so that we can have life and life abundantly. And you know what happened to their hearts? It was like on fire. Have you ever heard God's word in a way, a story being told that no longer is it a story just for your ears, but it's a story for your heart? It's a story for your heart where you realize, I'm being transformed by the story. Well, that's what it's all about. And the question that now we look at the big picture of the story is, where do you fit in the story? I mean, this is God's story, but it's not just a story he gives us to entertain us. God gives us this true story to transform us. And we are transformed when we see our place in the picture. When we know that we're a part of that puzzle piece that only Jesus makes sense. Well, maybe you're new to the Bible. Let me tell you that it's really, the, it begins and ends with God's passion for you and me. It begins and ends with God saying, I'm dwelling with my people. I'm, I'm with my people. That's why I made my people, that we could live in harmony, that we could walk together. It begins with a garden and it begins in perfection and it ends again with a new heavens and new earth and a reunited that, that we are with God. He dwells with us forever. And in between the beginning and the beautiful, glorious end or consummation, it's a story of how we messed it up and how, although we were made for God, we rebelled against him. It's our sin and everything and our sorrow and everything that, that drove us away from fellowship with God, everything that made life hard and how God fixes it and how God's hero, Jesus, is the only one. And so that's the story of the Bible. He wants to dwell with you. Let's make it personal. God made you. For himself. And God made you to know and love him. And listen, to be known and loved by him. And the story of the Bible is he will move heaven and earth to make that a reality and sending us his son. Do you hear what I hear? So again, we, the, the minor prophets have given us important pieces of the puzzle that help us know what this will look like, who this Messiah will be. And if you've been here in these last few weeks, we've looked at Zephaniah. And Zephaniah told us that a king is going to come, and he's a, he's a mighty king. And this king is unusual because not only is he a warrior, he's a singer. And that this king that will come, it says that he's going to delight in you. It says that he's going he's to sing over you. 
And he's going to have such incredible love for his people that, that in his love, he's going to quiet us like a mother can quiet a child. And then we looked at Zechariah. And Zechariah made some other incredible and a little bit unusual promises of what to come, this Messiah to come. He says he'll be my servant. He'll be God's servant. And he's equated to a branch, uh, a branch that will bear forth fruit. And this branch that will come, this Jesus that will come, he's going to cleanse you of all your sins. He's going to clothe you in his righteousness. And he's going to make you and me, listen, a part of his family. Why? He does all these things so he could dwell with you. So he could dwell with me. So he could dwell with us, his people. And now we look at Micah. And Micah is going to tell us this morning that Jesus is going to come. God's going to send one who will come, this promised Messiah. He's going to be a shepherd. And this shepherd is going to do everything that's necessary to make you and me dwell securely with God. We're going to find out about this shepherd three things. And he, he knows his sheep, which is going to tell you that he knows everything about you. And he loves you. He gathers his sheep, and he also lays down his life for his sheep. So if you have your Bibles, look, look to Micah chapter 5. It's a, it's a famous verse that's quoted at this time of year. It's repeated in the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to read a little bit of Micah, a couple of verses in Matthew, a, a little bit of Zechariah, uh, and one verse in John, Gospel of John. Uh, that should be listed for you in your bulletin. may have a tweak or two. It'll be on the screen. But if that's confusing, just listen. Just lean in. This is God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Already we're be given parts of the puzzle. This Messiah, he's supposed to come, and he's going to come in Bethlehem, and, and he is going to be a ruler, and he comes from God. And it says this, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. Now, if you just had that piece of the puzzle, you'd be very confused. What does that mean? There's going to be one who's born, but he's ancient? There's going to be one who's new, but he's old? And then now when we read the whole story, we realize, like in the Gospel of John, when he tells us about this Jesus, is that he is the Word of God, and he is the eternal God. And although he came to Bethlehem as a man, he, he always was, and now we see and can make sense. Oh yeah, this is Jesus, the one from ancient of days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. Here's the hope that we've always been looking for. They shall dwell secure for now he shall be great in the ends of the earth. He shall be their peace. And the gospel of Matthew repeats this kind of paraphrases it actually when Herod was wondering where was this Messiah born so he could worship him or try to kill him? And the wise men say this in Matthew 2, verses 5 and 6. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Jesus. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
The prophet Zechariah will tell us about this shepherd in Zechariah 10, verses 2 and 8. Therefore the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. And I love this verse 8. Listen to this. I will whistle for them and gather them in, for I have redeemed them. And they shall be as many as they were before. And lastly, the Gospel of John 10, 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you for the depths of love you have for us, that you would send a shepherd to come and to rescue us. A shepherd who knows us and yet still loves us. There's a mystery. A shepherd who will gather us from wherever we are and how far we have wandered from you. And a shepherd who ultimately will show us the greatest example of love by laying his life down for his sheep. And Father, we need to hear from that shepherd. His voice is the one we need to hear. His voice is the one we need to follow. And his name is the one we need to worship. So God, would you come like only you can? Would you come through the power of your spirit? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? And God, would you give us ears to hear our shepherd's voice? Would you give us minds to understand our, our, our shepherd's words? And God, would you give us hearts to embrace our shepherd's love and our care? And God, would you be so powerfully with us that, that you would give us feet that walk in a manner worthy of our shepherd's name, that don't wander away from our shepherd, but run to the one whose name is Jesus. And God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the good shepherd who came to rescue his sheep. Would you use those words to make us more like Jesus? And it's in his holy and matchless name that we pray. Amen. In your bulletin, you'll find an outline if you want to follow along with me. And the first thing we're going to see through Micah and the other prophets and through God's word is that Jesus, this good shepherd, he knows his sheep. It makes sense for God to dwell with his people, to God to dwell with his family, to for God to be a shepherd for his sheep. He's first of all must identify his sheep. He must know them and know who they are. And this is telling us that the God of the universe knows you. A typical thing I do when uh, my wife who works at Maitland Community Preschool with thir- uh, th- three-year-olds, uh, on the days that she works, I try to bring her a little bit of cheer, a little bit of Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. Have you ever had any? That stuff is delicious. It's very good. Filled with caffeine. Everything a teacher of three-year-olds needs to have. And so what I try to do is show up about mid-morning with a little bit of a Dunkin' Donuts cheer for, for my wife and for Rita Creech, who's uh, also in that class. And so I often come in, I park down in the, the gravel parking lot down here by Maitland Community Preschool and by our nurseries, and, and I carry them in like I'm some, you know, king champion coming in with a, a catch of the day. 
But as I parked my car this last week, I parked so close to the playground of Maitland Community Preschool. And, and maybe it was some of the teachers there, but was drawn over uh, to the fence where the kids are. And, and pretty soon, they started to gather where I showed up. And again, I don't think it was for the coffee. It was just for the fact that they, they recognized me. They see me walk the halls. They know that there's something about me that has to do with this place. And, and I was kind of surprised what they did. The first boy who came up, he goes, he goes my name is Benjamin. And the girl that was next to him said, and my name is Abigail. And pretty soon, each one is kind of calling out their names. And, and, and before long, their first name wasn't enough. My name is first name, middle name, last name. And my name is first name, middle name, last name. And it just occurred to me how longing they had just to be known. I mean, just to have some figure that they saw of some kind of authority that they'd want to stand and say, do you know my name? This is my name. Because not just those kids, but every single one of us created in God's image longs to be known. I mean, longs to, to have a God who, who knows our name, and that is who Jesus is. He knows our name because we're his sheep. You see what it says in Micah 5, 4? It says that Jesus, this, this one would come, the shepherd would come, and he would stand and he would shepherd his sheep. Very important personal pronoun there. He's coming specifically with a task, and it's specifically for his own sheep, and his own sheep that he knows by name. One of the coolest birds, one of the coolest things I think that God made, one of the coolest birds doesn't even fly unless it's in the water. What bird is it? You can do better than that. I know you know it. It's one of the coolest things that God created. It's one of the coolest birds. It can't fly unless it's in the water, and that is called a... Very good. It's called a penguin. If you got that wrong, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> How do penguins know if they're a good-looking penguin? <laughs> you know, is there, is there a pecking order of penguins? You know, you're, hey, I'm a good-looking penguin. Dude, you look like everybody else. I mean, the one thing about penguins, apparently they're impeccably dressed. They all look like they just came from a formal event, right? And they all are absolutely look alike. So how in the world can you tell your mate from somebody else? And maybe even more so, how can you tell which chicks are yours and which chicks aren't? Especially because they all hang out together in these big colonies or whatever you call penguins. Vocalization. Did you know that that's the way they, they identify one another is, is by the vocalization that, that mates can tell each other apart by their vocalization and that unbelievably chicks can know their parents by, by some kind of vocalization, some kind of noise that they make say, oh, mom and dad. Let's hit pause. I think that's incredibly cool. And of all the things that God creates, they just want to point to an incredible author and designer that penguins can tell each other apart by vocalization, by sounds. Do you know that the Bible tells us that Jesus uses a vocalization, sounds, that he can identify you? And listen, more importantly, we can identify him. That he, Jesus tells us that he knows his sheep and his sheep will recognize his voice. I want to take you to the Gospel of John. John chapter 10, when Jesus is telling us of who he is as the good shepherd, I want to read to you verses 14 through 16 and then 27 and 30. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own 
and my own, they know me, just as the Father knows me. I have known the Father. I lay my life down for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there'll be one flock, one shepherd. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. What an incredible reality that Jesus says is saying this. I know you. I know every detail about you. You never have to come up to God. You never have to come up to Jesus and say, hey, my name is Jeffrey Peter Jakes. My name is Jeff Jakes. I want you to know me. I mean, he knew you before time began. He knows every detail, every cell, every molecule, every thought, every word, every deed. He knows his sheep. And he loves you. The amazing thing is, is we all want to be known. But we're afraid to be known because if we're really known, can we be loved? And the truth of our God is to say, I know you. I know your name and you are mine in Christ Jesus. And I love you forever. Why does he know and love us? Because he wants to dwell with us. He wants to be with us and for us to be his people. Not only does Jesus know us, he also gathers us. Uh, to, to not just know us, to be with us, to dwell with us, he has to gather us. And I love what Zechariah says in Zechariah 10, verse 2. He reminds us of who we are apart from Christ. It says that we wander like sheep without a shepherd. We are afflicted for a lack of a shepherd. Without Jesus, we don't have life and life abundantly. We, we wander. Do you wander? Man, do I wander. How do you get a hold of your family these days? How, how do you communicate to them? It's funny. We had some people at our house this week, uh, and I was noticing on the wall. When you notice people come over, you start noticing things you don't usually notice. And we've taken away our family phone. Does anybody still have a family phone? Don't raise your hand. And, and what's remaining is this, this, this eyesore. It's just like this socket. It's like this bare socket where a phone went. And a couple that was with us with young daughters said, you know, uh, recently they, our daughters saw in our house, what is that thing? Well, it's where we used to put the phone. They're like, you put the phone on the wall? <laughs> I, you tell me, you went over to the wall and you stood by the wall to talk to somebody? We're like, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of what we do. It's amazing to think we have a generation that can't hardly even picture a house phone. Well, when communicating with my family, the way the, uh, the best method now is group text. I've actually labeled it my wonderful family. I'm, I'm that gushy guy. And it's amazing. If you want to gather your family, you want to let them know something, it's a group text. Now, you can just immediately, no matter where they are, no matter what's going on here, doom, there you go. Well, before group text, some of us might remember other ways of technology. My mom used her own technology. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> Yoo-hoo, Jeffrey! And it worked. It was very efficient. I knew my mom's call. I recognized her voice. And I know what she was doing. She was calling me and gathering me back home. Did you see what it says in Zechariah 10, 8, what the shepherd does? I love it. It says this, that God will come, the shepherd will come, and he will whistle. Dry lips. Somebody whistle for me. There you go. 
The God, the shepherd says, I'm listening, this vocalization, I'm going to call you to myself. I'm going to gather you. I'm going to whistle for you. Wherever you are, as dark as it could be, wherever you've been, you're going to hear my whistle. If you're mine, you'll hear it. And when you feel like you can't hear anything else, there's this, this, this whistle that's going to come. I'm going to gather you. The prophet Ezekiel, he's, he's not considered a minor prophet. He's a major prophet because he writes more. He talks about the shepherd. We can't miss this because Ezekiel tells us that God himself will gather his people. He's not going to leave it for somebody else to do. He's not going to send even a mighty man. That God himself has promised to come and to seek and, and save the lost. Here's the bottom line of Christ, Christmas. God has promised a rescue for you. For you to dwell with him, he's promised to come himself for you and for me. Ezekiel will tell us of, of the passion that God has for us to come personally and, and rescue us. Hear the word of the Lord, Ezekiel 34. I'm going to start in verse 11. I want you to hear the personal pronoun that God uses of himself over and over again. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and of thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel they will be grazing land there they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down declares the Lord God I will seek the lost I will bring back the strayed I will bind up the injured I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy I will feed them in justice Isn't that just beautiful? Verse 22. And I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them. Here comes a great piece of the puzzle. One shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David, pointing to Jesus, will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. God has said, you're of such worth that I'm going to send no one else. I'm going to come myself. I'm going to gather my people myself. That's why in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus would say, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Do you see yourself in this story yet? I mean, we've connected some cool dots. I mean, we've seen this shepherd, and we've gone from minor prophets to the gospel back to a major prophet. It's, it's pretty cool. But do you see yourself in the story yet? And I'll tell you, you know you have is when you realize when God says, I myself am coming after the lost. I myself am coming after the broken. I myself am coming after those who are scattered. And you want to stand up and say, that's me. That's me. I'm the one who wandered. I'm the one who's broken. I'm the one who's lost. He came for me. He knows me and he loves me. And heaven wouldn't be heaven without you and me finding our way home.
That's when the story takes off. That's when a grace becomes amazing. When you realize the story's not out there, the story's in here. And then I'm a sheep of God that he has come to rescue. It's incredible. Jesus says, I've come to rescue and redeemed. It's kind of like uh, the reality. Do you remember in 2010, the Chilean miners that were, I think it was like October 5th, 2010, when we lost like 30 miners in Chile. And they were trying desperately to get down there. They had to, they had to go down to the depths. They had to bore down to where they were. They had to, they had to get some kind of um, vehicle or something there that they could get into and be lifted up. Incredible story. It's the gospel story. That in the depth of the darkness and the depth of the brokenness and as far as we were from a holy God, he had to bore down into that darkness and come. And he had to provide a way that he would lift us up into his family and into safety. Zechariah 10.8 says this. It says, Jesus came as that shepherd to redeem us. And he's basically saying, I'm going to pay any price to make sure my sheep are safe. I will pay anything. I will give anything to make sure they're home. The Bible tells a story of a king named David. And he had a rebellious son named Absalom. Beautiful son, difficult. And there was actually this, this rebellion between the two of them actually t- turned into a civil war. And so as the civil war started, David got his stuff on I me. Mean, David's a warrior. He goes out and goes, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to battle. I'm going to go to battle with my son. And those who were next to David said, no, listen, listen, no, 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 you're not going to go. You cannot go. You're way too important. If they kill us, no big deal. But if they kill you, you're the king. And if they kill you, the battle's over. We've lost. You stay home. You stay safe. You stay put. We'll go do the hard work. Because you're too important. Flip that story completely 180 degrees, and it's a gospel story. It's a king named Jesus who says, you're too important for me not to go myself. I'm going to go. I'm going to go on a search and rescue, and it's going to cost me everything I have. I'm willing to pay it all because I am the good shepherd who does what? Lastly, lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus lays down his life for his sheep. I love what Micah says about him. He says, he shall stand and he shall shepherd his flock. It says, in strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell securely together. And he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. Now, if you just had that piece of the puzzle, what would you think of Jesus? He shall stand in strength. He's going to be a warrior, a battler. And then you picture a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes saying, what? Strength and weakness power of God and accessibility and the incredible beauty of God who says, here's my strength. Although I'm God Almighty, although I'm the Ancient of Days, I will lay my very life down for my sheep. I know them. I gather them. I give them life and life abundantly. And there's going to be nothing that will separate me from them. And I will lay my life down. It says this. Micah says, that he will be our peace. Did you pick that up? It doesn't say that he's the one who's going to secure our peace. He's going to be the one who battles for our peace. It doesn't say that he will help give us some peace. Here's what it says. It says the shepherd who's going to come, he himself personified will be our peace. Our peace with God. 
our peace with one another. This is the God of peace who gives us a peace that, under, that passes understanding. Why? Because if through him we dwell together with God and nothing will separate us from him. Nothing. That's why he could say in John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. You see in this beautiful shepherd, the one who was told that he will be standing in strength that equals laying your life down to be our peace so that we can dwell together with God. God knows you. Jesus knows you. He knows your name. You don't have to go to him and say, My name is. He knows it. And the mystery and the love is God knows you and he loves you. An incredible story of Christmas, the story of the Bible is not only does he know and love you, he came to rescue you. Himself personally. He wrapped on flesh to come and get you and make you a part of the family. He laid his life down so that you could taste not only the peace of God, but eternal life in Christ Jesus. How is it with you this morning? Are you wandering like a sheep without a shepherd when we have such a great shepherd named Jesus? Have you found your place in the story? Is it your life still a puzzle that's still undone and incomplete? Well, we're all broken pieces. But do we look to the reality of this good shepherd and do we see the picture of who Jesus is and say, that's what I'm becoming. And I'm his and I'm going to dwell with him. And my peace and my life fits in his story. And I will walk in a manner worthy of his name. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the promise of a shepherd, one who is strong and mighty, one who is eternal, ancient of days, and one who will come so that we could dwell in safety and security with you. One that would come, this good shepherd says, nothing will snatch us out of your hand. We will dwell safely and securely with you. And we thank you that the one who was strong and mighty became weak and so accessible. We thank you that you yourself fulfilled what Ezekiel said, that you, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. And I love what the Bible story tells us, that you didn't lose one. That those of us who are your sheep, we have heard your voice. We love your voice. And by your grace, we follow our shepherd. Because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And God, if there's anyone here who's wandering and afflicted because of the lack of a shepherd named Jesus, may today be the day where they hear your voice and run home, confess their sins and embrace Christ as Savior. But for all of us here who are already yours, God, may we not wander away. May we dwell securely, longing for that day when we'll see you face to face. We pray in Christ's name, amen.